the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Friday, October 27th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. I have Mr. Bill to my west. I have my producer, David Dahl, to my north. Terry, not Septent today. Took the early bus, looks like. Early bird gets the worm. We uh, Who wants that, though? The worm? Yeah. That's food. For the birds. I guess birds want worms. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what would it be for Seth? The early Seth gets the steak? <laughs> yeah, I've been eating less meat lately, though, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? I just have been. I've, I've realized... So you'll be glad we ordered a veggie pizza today for lunch. No, well, you do what you do. I, I can't eat lunch, but I... You want to know something? I haven't shared this with the audience, and I don't... Maybe Have you shared it with me? <laughs> no, I haven't really. I've shared it with, Confession like, time. two close friends. Um, I don't have the power to forgive sins, but I know a guy. I, You know, I have this deep and abiding love of my dog, Dagny. And um, she had a really bad health incident earlier this week. Hmm. I mean, so bad that... I wasn't sure we were going to make it through the night. I haven't shared this. And um, mysterious. Don't know what what it was, but was up all night with her. Uh, She's 14, after all. So, you know, any any night. And um, took the counsel of the wise and did what I could. Um. And was prepared to say goodbye after 14 years of her going through so many aspects and facets of my life. No guy and dog were probably ever been closer. I mean, I know a lot of people have been as close, but I think it's harder to get closer than she and I have been. And um, the next morning, she did sleep in an extra hour and then was her usual vim and vigorous self. And it um, obviously ran a lot of emotions. <laughs> we can hear I'm a little halting right now. Ran a lot of emotions by me. But um, one of the things it made me think about was how much I love animals. How much I just adore animals. And, you know, if I can't sleep at night or something, I'm watching funny animal videos. Not funny ones, but endearing ones, cute ones. Animals, you know, hugging people and dolphins doing things. And and um, so I've just been, for that reason alone, I've just, I've been eating less meat. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Okay, yeah. wow. That's a really cool, It's it kind of reminds me of that, that, television show um all creatures great and small or you know the one about the uh-huh. the roving veterinarians in rural england yeah it was very like happy and friendly and bicycles and geese and sheep and all sorts of stuff yeah yeah there's a book i mean lest you think that this is odd 
liberal nonsensical stuff. There, I don't think there's a liberal bone in Seth's body. Well, there might be. There was previously, but well, you matured. Well, no, there still might puberty. be. I, you know, people think I'm. I don't know. I think it's by dint of just the profession. People think I'm more conservative than I am, and some people think I'm more liberal than I am. I don't know. But Matt Scully, who is one of the most um, respected conservative speechwriters and ghostwriters in the country, if not the world, has written some of the greatest speeches for some of the greatest political leaders and others. He actually has a really good book on this. He's a vegetarian, and it's called Dominion. The Power of Man, the Suffering of Animals, and the Call to Mercy. And if you want to stop eating meat, you'll read that book. If you don't, you won't, because you won't have a choice. If you read that book, you won't eat meat again. We had a discussion about meat briefly this morning in the office. We did. We had a discussion about uh, red meat being— or. Or salads mm-hmm. being the food that our food is. Yeah, eats. the old yes, Ron Swanson. Yes. Yeah, I know. That's the reputation I have. I know. Ron Swanson was served a salad, and he said, I'm sorry, there must be some mistake. This looks like the food my food eats. Well, I didn't intend to start us here. How did we get here? I don't know how we got here. I wanted to talk about the power of speech and the power particularly of an important speech. Generically, an important speech can move the world. We could all probably think of, off the top of our head, four or five speeches that have moved the world. And, um, you know, Crisis of a House Divided, perhaps, would be one of them. Obviously, you have the Sermon on the Mount. Um, You have any number of speeches that could move the world. Winston Churchill's, several probably of them. How did Ralph Waldo Emerson put it? He said something, speech, speech is power. Speech is to persuade, to convert, to compel. It is to bring another out of his bad sense into your good sense. To bring someone out of their bad sense into your good sense is how Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, a man of words himself. And today marks the anniversary, the 59th anniversary of perhaps one of the most important speeches of the 20th or 21st ever any of our lifetimes, centuries. It was uh, 59 years ago today on NBC that Ronald Reagan gave his Time for Choosing speech today, October 27th, and I wanted to talk about that and its poignance for our times. It almost didn't happen. I don't know if people know this. First of all, a lot of people think this speech was at the Goldwater Republican Convention at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. It was not. It was not. It was a speech, excuse me, it was a speech after the convention that uh, several uh, of the wealthy California donors, particularly led by uh, Salvatore um, in California, who was part of Reagan's kitchen cabinet, Henry Salvatore, made his money as a, made his money in uh, oil uh, not oil, but in inventing and discovering, in, excuse me, inventing an oil drill bit, Henry Salvatore. Man, I got to meet once. Interestingly, my teacher, Harry Jaffa, who was a Goldwater speech writer and wrote the extremism, the defense of liberty speech, he was the quote-unquote Henry Salvatore professor. He was the Henry Salvatore endowed professor at Claremont Men's Claremont McKenna College. But anyway, Henry Salvatore raised the money for this speech of Ronald Reagan's that he delivered uh, on NBC on behalf of Barry Goldwater's campaign. 
and it was to a uh, closed audience. It was an audience in studio. It was not at the convention. I was recently reading uh, Stephen Shattuck's book. That's John's dad. You all know John Shattuck from Wednesdays with us. And I picked up this book, What Happened to Goldwater, the Inside Story of 1964 Republican Campaign. I saw it at a bookstore there on um, Indian School the other day. And it was written by 1965 by Stephen Shattuck, who was a Goldwater ghostwriter himself and advisor. And it's inscribed. It's in, You've seen it, young David, right? It has the signature of Stephen Shattuck. It's, it's a, really cool. It's really cool. It's a signed book. And I, I think it says on the cover uh, it was originally $5.95. Was it really? It seems kind of expensive for was, a book in 1964. How much was it? $5.95. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. So I just had the page open and uh, lost it. Yes, here we go. 2.53. He tells the story of this speech that almost didn't get made by Ronald Reagan because of the standard and typical infighting that takes place in a campaign. You know, the hand ringers. I'm, I've been a part of a lot of campaigns, in a few right now. But I've been a part of a lot of campaigns, national mostly. But there is a lot of this, you know, the hand wringing. No, it's too strong on this. No, it won't be a good idea. Yes, it'll be a good idea. Stephen Shattuck writes, on October 27th, Ronald Reagan, a staunch Goldwater supporter, delivered a speech of his own composition entitled The Time for Choosing on nationwide television. Thousands of Republicans have classified this as the most effective program of the Goldwater campaign. Local committees in most states secured film or videotape in order to rerun the Reagan program under local sponsorship. The Republican National Committee, did you know this, published the text in a special pamphlet. And the incredible fact is that, he names two people uh, who were leading the campaign, tried their best to block and black out the Reagan television program. I'll tell the rest of the story, and we'll go through it just a little bit. Happy to take your calls on anything as well. 602-508-0960. I see some callers. We'll go to you in a moment. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. We'll return to uh, our history lesson and lesson on Logos in a moment. I always like to take callers first, the most important voice. We'll start with Sandy in Peoria. Hello, Sandy. Hi, Seth. Thank you for taking my call, sir. I appreciate that very much. Of course. Thanks for calling. What you got for us today? I know it's not really uh, has anything to do with the history lesson, sir, but... um, Sandy, everything, everything has to do with everything here. It's all our territory. Everything is related. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, I just wanted to read a small uh, news clipping that I have. You spoke about your uh, your bond with your dog. Yeah. And I wanted to show you, um, there's a clipping. It was about a loyal senior dog. This is in Manila, Philippines, by the way. This okay. took place. It was a loyal senior dog who spent over a year outside a hospital waiting for the return of his dead owner. Oh. Um, yeah. And the animal animal welfare charity based in the Philippines uh, says that the dog Morgan uh, waited day and night outside Manila Central University Hospital in uh, Calicon, I'm sorry, after his owner was admitted uh, last year with COVID-19. When he passed away, um, Morgan still remained there waiting, perhaps somehow hoping against all hope that his friend would eventually return. The family did try taking him home, but he would always go back to the hospital. And he survived mainly on uh, the meals and water provided by staff and the passerbys Incredible. who were there. For, 
yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I have many animals, so I know where you're coming from, and I know how it feels um, being a protector. And but they also, I think, feel like they have a duty to protect us more than yeah. We I was going like to say it. their pain is our pain, but I think in many ways our pain is theirs as well. Yes, sir. Correct. Yeah. But that was all I wanted to share. Well, thank uh, you. Sir. That that's thank a you. heck of a story. I appreciate it, Sandy. It. Thank um, you. Have a good day. Thank, you. thank you. Learning about the humanity of animals. It's just. It's. It's a magical thing. It's a magical thing. Larry is in Scottsdale. Hello, Larry. Yeah. Hi, Seth. Hi. Um, this isn't a story, but okay. it's. Uh, my wife's 50% Jewish, and I'm mad as hell. How's that about okay. what's going on? Okay, okay. sorry. No, it's fine. And uh, some people are going, you know, why Why are the college students so, so hostile and desensitized to what really took place in Israel? And it may be that those that are doing this protesting also are pro-abortion, and so they're totally desensitized about the killing of babies. And that's what took place. Yeah, what's 25 babies in Israel when we kill a million of them every year in the U.S.? So I don't know if those numbers are, if I'm right, but I happen to think I'm close. Well, there's an irony here. I don't know. I mean, the irony is, you know, all of these... um, all of these protesters and rioters on behalf of the wrong side here, the side of uh, the force of evil and inhumanity, interestingly enough, are themselves, yes, as you point out, um, in favor of legalized abortion. But the side they're rallying for criminalizes it. That's the interesting thing. Did you know that? I mean, it is a crime. It is a crime. It is a crime to have an abortion in Gaza or the West Bank. I don't know if Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it's a crime also to be LGBTQ. You know, they, they, when, yeah. when, when we're in times of peace, this is what those people stand for. They couldn't stand for that in the place they're rallying for, uh, for more than a day. They'd be imprisoned no, or killed. No, uh, Gays, just, in uh, fact, escape really the West Bank to live in Israel, um, and you can get... Uh, imprisoned for engaging in an abortion in Gaza and the West Bank. By the way, not the doctor, the woman, which no state has ever done here. We've never imprisoned women, even where we illegalize or constrict abortion rights here. I'm a thousand percent behind Israel, and I hope they really kick their butts and teach them a lesson. Well, well, I, I appreciate the sentiment. It's an interesting dichotomy. I can't understand why the most uh, theoretically progressive or the most theoretically liberalized minds and souls are marching for the most brutal of forces, for the most illiberal of entities, and are so dramatically opposed to the most liberal of entities, Israel. There, there, there is no more liberal country in the world by definition of liberalism no more pluralistic country in the world by definition of pluralism, certainly not in the Middle East and maybe not in the world, with, than Israel. And yet they're marching for those that would plunge all human and civil rights into Stygian darkness. It's an incredible thing that can, to me, only be explained by one thing. One thing. And Michael uh, Oren has written about this in the free press, Jew hatred. It makes no sense. They didn't rise up for the Palestinians when they were oppressed by the Syrians. 
They didn't rise up for the Palestinians when they were oppressed by the Jordanians. They don't rise up for the Palestinians who are oppressed by Gaza or the West Bank, including the women's rights or the gay rights of the Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank when offenses come through and by other Palestinians. They don't stand up for the rights of the Palestinians in Lebanon. And they don't stand up, did I mention, for the rights of... Yes, I did, in Jordan. They don't. They don't. They don't care about Palestinian rights. They care about the end and death and destruction of Israel. These are not pro-Palestinian marches. They are not pro-Palestinian marches. These are genocide marches. That's what from the river to the sea means. That's what stars of David in trash cans mean, saying cleanse the world about a people who knows what it means to be told we need to be clean of you. That's what this is about. That 18 to 25-year-olds are sucked into this is an indictment not only on what we've been teaching, not only on how these monsters of youth have been raised. It's an indictment of our not just education system. It's an indictment on our moral condition. It's an uncomfortable thing to think about and talk about, but that's exactly what we're witnessing. And Dana Loesch is right. Dana Loesch is absolutely right. For those of a better sensibility in a better moment of time when they read histories of the Third Reich and what it did and asked how could people watch that happen, how could they not only acquiesce but comply with that happening, Dana Loesch said, look no further than the college campuses today. This is how. That's how. This is how and that's how. It happens. It can happen. And as one of the greatest lies we can never forget is one of the greatest lies of the last century and bloody horribly to say this one, never again. It's a lie. It's a lie. We told ourselves never again. It's never going to be never again. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-5089-60. 16 years it took for the speech to ferment and grow the reputation of Ronald Reagan, but it propelled him into the office of the governorship of California and into a radio broadcasting career that led him ultimately to the presidency of the United States, which ultimately did bring down the Soviet Union this is the 59th anniversary tonight of the Time for Choosing speech of Ronald Reagan's, and I was uh, it was his calling card on the political scene. I was, um, nationally anyway, I was reading to you from Stephen Shattig's book, What Happened to Goldwater. He writes, A Time for Choosing was filmed well, advance, well in advance of the projected release date, and a handful of men who believed the message had impact raised the funds to pay for a nationwide television release, mostly Henry Salvatore, as I mentioned. With the film made and the money in hand to buy the network time, these two, uh, these two campaign managers were against the project. After reading the script, they both urged cancellation. They even persuaded Barry Goldwater to telephone Ronald Reagan in Los Angeles on Sunday, October 25th, two days before it was to air, to ask him to withdraw the film. Reagan was distressed. He asked the senator if he had even seen the script or the film. Goldwater said no. 
Well, it's not really that bad, Senator, and I don't think it will do you any harm, Reagan said. Please read the script or see the film. If you are then of the opinion that it will hurt your campaign, I'll abide by your decision and cancel the release. When Goldwater did not call on Monday, Reagan concluded the senator had withdrawn his objection and the film was shown on schedule. Um, But as late as 5.30 on that afternoon, the two managers were still attempting to persuade Reagan's sponsors to cancel the showing. The Goldwater campaign bosses opposed the Reagan speech principally because it discussed the inadequacies of the present Social Security program and linked Goldwater once again to the sponsorship of some, quote, voluntary features which would permit a citizen to do better on his own, close quote. Kind of interesting. It didn't start with Paul Ryan. It started with Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan, alternatives to Social Security. Shattuck writes, Reagan's speech was by far the most effective exposition of conservative concern for the future of the nation offered by anyone in the 1964 campaign. As one of the regional directors pointed out, it sounded like the old Goldwater. Since the election, thousands of Republicans have asked, why didn't we have more speeches in the same vein as Ronnie Reagan's? David, you want to play a little bit of it? Pick, pick a clip. I don't care. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. And this, this is the meaning in the phrase of Barry Goldwater, peace through strength. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. And he said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will keep in mind and remember that Barry Goldwater has faith in us. He has faith that you and I have the ability and the dignity and the right to make our own decisions and determine our own destiny. Well, Thank that you, you timed much. pretty well there, David. That was pretty good timing on that, right to the uh, right up to the moment of break. Um, watch it on YouTube if you want. You will see Ronald Reagan is not reading off a teleprompter or notes. This was a version of a speech he had been giving on various stumps across the country on behalf of General Electric and to the factory and line workers in GE. All right, we'll be right back. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life or creating problems enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter, from draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which may have led to the Biden presidency. Midas believes your finances will be next. 
Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer is to convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group, like Seb Gorka and myself, because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. A friend of mine just texted and said, I forgot how strong and clear uh, and... um, and uh, and 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 edgy the voice in Ronald Reagan once was. It's true we've become uh, accustomed to remembering the uh, the avuncular uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, the cheerful uncle. Um, but uh, the stentorian nature of Ronald Reagan in the '60s and '70s, of course, is uh, what made him as a. Uh, as a conservative spokesman and conservative hero, so popular that he could get to that perspective in that point by the time he was 69 and elected to the presidency. This is another favorite part of my of the speech. I just, I just, it's such, there is so much in it and so much relevant in it. Here's a little other part. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital, can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Now that very line of his, that very series of theses he he proceeded to speak about there, was one he ran with his entire life. He did it in his inaugural speech as governor. He did it in his inaugural address in 1981. He was fascinated by this concept and used this line again and again and again, If no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? He said that in both his inaugurations as governor as president. He said it in that speech. It was a theme he carried with him from the 60s through the 80s. Worth repeating. If no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? A hint of Lincoln in there. A hint of Lincoln as I would not be a slave, I would not be a master. But more importantly, that phrase, no one among us capable of governing himself. Put that another way. What does it mean? Self-government. If, no, if we don't believe in self-government, right? 
which is obviously a big divide even today in this country, self-government, then how in the world of logic do we believe any of us have the capacity to govern someone else? Not without engaging in the master-slave dichotomy. Susie's in Scottsdale. Hello, Susie. Hello there. I just want to say, first off, I lived in California when he was governor. You're lucky. Governors I've ever been under. Yeah. And uh, when Goldwater started to run for president, he came to California at the Dodgers Stadium. Uh-huh. And um, uh, the governor introduced him. Ronald Reagan introduced him. And then Goldwater started speaking, and it was as electrifying as Trump rallies. I bet. It was incredible. I bet. And then afterwards, um, he, I found out I'm Lois Fitch's friend, and B- Barry Goldwater used to go in her classroom at Saguaro and sit on her desk and right? teach the kids. Is that right? So he was an incredible human being, Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan. Well, there are all, thank you for sharing that. What a, what a wonderful memory, Susie. There are these... Um, stories that Stephen Shattig uh, writes up in um, this book, What Happened to Goldwater, about what a decent person he was, including uh, among the first to start profit-sharing with employees, um, and during the month of December um, would fly uh, veterans, and well, veterans, not veterans, would fly uh, GIs in and out of, uh, to, to visit their families during Christmas. He was a, a great they would be told to they would be told in airports when they couldn't get flights home because of booked flights or whatever. They couldn't get flights home. And, yeah, believe it or not, we, we treated our guys that way when they couldn't get a flight home to visit their families or be home on Christmas. They would be told you would hear an announcement in a certain airport in California uh, for any any uh, any men or women in the military who are looking for a flight go to uh, Terminal so-and-so, and and, uh, they would go, and there was Barry Goldwater in an airplane willing to fly them. He he was a man, evidently, of great generosity. And I I asked John this the other day, John Shattuck, Stephen Shattuck's son. He said he didn't know this, but he wouldn't be surprised by this. (laughs) He ate the same—I read he ate the same lunch every day. He ate the same lunch every day, and I liked what it was. I mean, obviously, it contradicts what I was talking about in the very first segment of this show with regard to me. But shall we just say I salute the effort? Every day he would have the same lunch if he was able to. You know, obviously, if he weren't at a some kind of campaign or whatever, business meeting or something. A cheeseburger and a chocolate milkshake. A cheese, how can you not like a guy who likes a cheeseburger and a chocolate milkshake and every day? Every day the same thing. Uh, did you do something weird with cheeseburgers this week, David? You did, didn't you? You had what? a bad. Ex- you had a bad experiment. Oh, by the way, yeah, you had a bad experiment, didn't you, with a cheeseburger? You like kept. You bought two oh, and kept one yes. overnight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I I had a coupon and, it, and, and I got a Whopper. And ladies and gentlemen, as we discussed with Sam Stone yesterday, Seth Liebson has the unpopular and downright wrong opinion that a Whopper is better than an In-N-Out burger. And though I bought a Whopper, it was merely because of the fact that I had a coupon for the Whopper, and so I bought the the two Whoppers that I had and ate one. And then put one in my little fridge here at work, and I was going to heat it up in the microwave the next day. But Seth and I both agreed that, uh, uh, you know, coupon Whoppers are uh, not great. 
I got a listener writing into me yesterday after the Sam Stone conversation. Did he uh, berate you as well as nope. he should have? He said, Seth, and this is from a guy named John. Seth, Sam Stone nails it. Nails it. Nails it. And then he went down the list of restaurants. Okay, be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by Y-Refi. They have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's got a lot of flexibility built in. Not only is it a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises, but you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal. If you need your money back at any time, no penalty. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and they're also very diligent people, wonderful actors in our community, wonderful wonderful folks who operate in our community. But check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. That's investyrefi.com or 888yrefi24. You like that Tony Orlando version of Cupid? Yes. Didn't you tell me a great story of his once, or am I, or am I wrong? There about, is a great story uh, of his. The song Save the Last Dance for Me. That's a beautiful story. Did he write it? N- no. He no, that was though. Doc Palmas who wrote it, and that's its own beautiful story. Uh but the fir- there's just Tony Orlando, who I've interviewed. There's a lot of interesting stuff about him. I know people like to make fun of him. Um, Tie a Yellow Ribbon. The first time he ever played Tie a Yellow Ribbon, John McCain was in the audience as a returning oh, right. Vietnam vet, as a returning POW. And he was watching all the POWs clapping their hands while he was performing it, except John McCain. And he went up to John McCain afterwards and he said, I hope. None of the lyrics were offensive to you. And he said, why would you think that? John And Tony Orlando said, because you weren't clapping. John McCain said, because I can't, but my feet were tapping. Hmm. Yeah. Cupid. Was John McCain not able to? Well, you know, right after his oh. arms were broken oh, so many times. Do you have a Cupid story for us? I guess. What? Um, you asked me a couple days ago what to do when a girl you were soft on stopped responding to you. And, and uh like I answered, or the question answered itself, right? To the to the good. To the good, yes. You came back around. This is yeah. why we tell yes. you patience, grasshopper. Uh huh. Patience, yeah, grasshopper. Uh-huh. Patience is a virtue. It's not one of the seven great virtues. This is a dojo, and we have samurai. Seth is the black belt. Yes, yeah. of course, of course. Patience is a virtue. That's why we could tell you. You know, we had patience. a we had a running bet around the office. Is is Senator McCain the highest? Um, level of government that you've ever interviewed not ever interviewed but ever interviewed ever, in studio in, in maybe studio. Oh, maybe okay. Okay. maybe very cool trying to think he's up there maybe who's number one? Oh, there's a few contenders a few contenders all right we'll be right back Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.